You are listening to Keystone Stock Top Show, episode 203. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at www.keystocks.com. Come back often, and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at Keystocks and on Facebook, and keep submitting your stocks via the usual social channels or at our website, keystocks.com for our Your Stock Artake segment, and we just might review your stock in an upcoming show and let you know if it is a buy, sell, or hold. It's great to be back with you this week following a busy week for the markets once again. In our Your Stock Artake segment, I will answer a listener question on Quarter Hill Inc., symbol QTRH on the TSX, which saw its share price drop 18% on Monday following news its CEO was stepping down ahead of the upcoming year-end quarterly and quarterly Q4 numbers. Quarter Hill, which we have monitored for years but are not recommending, operates in the intelligent transportation system sector as well as the intellectual property or IP industry. Brett will answer a viewer question on Nuvi, symbol NVEI on the TSX, a fintech and global payments processor which has had a solid start to 2023, but remains down around 70% from its pandemic highs. The company, which does produce cash flow, a listener asks us it may be an add to his portfolio looking forward over the next three to five years, given the solid gains that it's made in terms of profitability, but it's trading at what he believes would be a low valuation. Last but not least, Brennan tackles our star and dog of the week, his star is Caledonia Mining, symbol CMCL on the New York Stock Exchange. Not surprisingly, given the surge of price in the price of gold this week, Caledonia is a gold producer, which its primary asset being the blanket mine in Zimbabwe. The stock is up nearly 30% in the last month, much of the gains in the last week. Brendan's dog of the week is Quarter Hill, which you may have noted is the company I am answering a viewer question on above. Yes, once again, he is riding my coattails to an easy work week. So let's get to it. Again, this is sure to be one of the highest rated shows of the week. We're missing a uh, compadre today, but I do say welcome to the Killer Bees, Brett and Brennan. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Doing well. Anything new? How was your weekend, Brennan? Do you want to tell everybody? Yeah, no, it was good. Went to uh, did some golfing with my dad. Uh, you know, nice. nothing too crazy. The family was in town. They were because, in town. Uh, eh? Yeah, they were in Saskatoon um, because of uh, my niece's uh, birthday. She's turning two. Spent time with your niece. That was cool, right? Yeah, which is was a lot of fun. And starting the, the weather's starting to get nice here. And uh, well, nice, you know, relatively mm-hmm. for Saskatoon, but uh, the snow's melting. Um, I was a little jealous though. My my buddy AJ, who uh, lives in Vernon, it was the uh, the first weekend that the golf courses were open uh, there. So uh, you know, he was sending mm, me some pictures on the sure. golf course. Yeah. In terms of jealousy, though, you must be you know a little itching at it as your uh, niece has replaced you in terms of the favorites of the family, at least with your mom, right? That's true. This is true. Yeah, How can you is, handle this? This is true. You know, I I also saw something. Uh, 
over the weekend here that I just thought that I'd bring up. You're just going to ignore that point. That I'm just going to ignore you've been, it. You're no longer the favorite. I mean, we we know this already. We know this, you know, as, <laughs> as I get older. What's your other point? Um, over the weekend, uh, someone shared this image of Elon Musk uh, on Twitter, and Elon ended up commenting, that's me working on my second cousin's wheat farm in Saskatchewan. I think we did a barn raising that day. So, you know, as I love to, uh, you know, um, (laughs) you know, cheer on Saskatchewan, it is kind of cool, you know, seeing that Mm -hmm. uh, Elon's mother is actually from, you know, the prairies here. Uh, Yeah. So I thought it was interesting. You got your Halloween costume right there. Yeah. Maybe I should go as Elon Musk, you know, but. uh, Or or just an outfit next week, because I could see you wearing that just on a good day. (laughs) Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe. But anyways, yes, I just saw that on Twitter and, uh, you know, Elon yeah, Musk for, was saying For all the people just listening to this on a podcast, we have a picture of Elon Musk in a cowboy hat with what? Uh, I was going to say a small hammer. <laughs> he does have a small hammer. There was actually... Does, oh, did you just say that? <laughs> well, okay. There was comments, Jeez. though, on Twitter saying, wow, that looks mm-hmm. like a small hammer. So... <laughs> Uh, uh, in in like a green, you know, kind of and and like what, cut five. off, rolled yeah. up, rolled up jeans. He he looks great, right? He looks yeah. Yeah. looks like he belongs in Saskatoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess you could say that. Nah, uh, yes. maybe Anyways, twenty years ago or something. I know that you guys yeah. didn't expect me to bring that up, but yeah, just thought I'd hit you with a, a blindside curveball. Well, you'd already brought it up around the office, so we kind of yeah. thought that you maybe bring yeah. it up. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that no, it's good. It's that world's richest man, right there. That's why reason. he was trying to move on. He's like, I got a joke. I got a joke on deck. Let's get to that. I'm not even <laughs> listening to what these guys are saying. I'm focused on my exactly. joke. Elon's this is going to be funny. Okay, thank you. No, it was good. Thanks for bringing that little levity yes. here. So let's get into it. Your stock, our take. We got a packed show, so we might as well get into Quarter Hill Inc. Uh, symbol QTRH on the TSX. Price a dollar fifty, down eighteen percent on Monday this past week. Uh, just alone, one hundred seventy million dollar market cap. What does Quarter Hill do? They operate in the intelligent transportation system ITS and in intellectual property I, IP or kind of patent troll bear area of its business. In ITS, its ETC and IRD subsidiaries uh, provide tolling and commercial vehicle way station solutions to government agencies. In the IP segment, YLAN is a leading patent licensing company. Uh, Why the drop? Well, Quarter Hill made three announcements on Monday. Number one, Brett Kidd, its CEO, is to step down effective immediately. Number two, John Gilberry. And appointed as the interim CEO, he was the chair of the board. And number three, Quarter Hill expects consolidated revenue for fiscal 2022 in the range of 303 to 307 million, consolidated adjusted EBITDA in the range of 63 to 66 million. So those are the three announcements. Let's examine those. If we rewind back, because we have followed this company for a number of years, not recommended now, but followed them, uh, rewind back to December 15th, 2021, Brett Kidd, the then CEO of Quarter Hill's recently acquired subsidiary, subsidiary Electronic Transaction Consultants, or ETC, was appointed CEO of Quarter Hill. Brett was then, um, at that point, he was handpicked to guide Quarter Hill's new focus on the exciting 
intelligent transportation system industry. That comes directly from the company. He was selected by John Gilberry, the board, uh, the chairman of the board and the board itself to replace Paul Hill, who was just appointed in May on May 5th of 2020 after another exhaustive search conducted by John Gilberry and the board. With that, um, we should end up with Quarter Hill having around four CEOs in a range of three years. And for me, what is really getting exhausting is keeping up with who is in charge at Quarter Hill. Thrown uh, into this announcement on Monday was that Mr. Gilberry is expected to remain interim CEO until such time as a new CEO is appointed through the current exhaustive search and will not stand for re-election on the board at Quarter Hill's 2023 annual meeting. It appears these searches have become, I'll use that word again, exhaustive, so exhausting for John Gilberry that he is now also leaving the company. So that takes care of two of the three announcements. Finally, for fiscal year 2022, Quarter Hill is reporting it sees consolidated revenues will be in the range of 303 to 307 million. Now, as I, I saw reported that this was well above the consensus estimates of 233 million, but that does not square with the data that I'm looking at. The one report that I do see out from a brokerage firm on the company was looking for around 310 million in revenues. As such, Quarter Hill is actually well, is below that estimate, not well below, but below that estimate. Uh, the consolidated EBITDA, again, it said expected to be in the range of 63 to 66 million. Again, that is below the estimate in this report that I'm looking at of 70.1 million. So not besting estimates. Uh, in an additional note, uh, the company went on to say the strategic review of Wyland, its IP or patent troll business is essentially, um, is this business is profitable historically, but very lumpy. Uh, but that ongoing search to basically sell this business continues and they continue to entertain and explore options for the business and will update shareholders as they see fit. This has been ongoing for well over 15 months at this point. So let's look at the latest quarterly numbers from Quarter Hill. Revenues were up 16% to 42.18 million driven by ITS revenues, which showed strong growth but still were below expectations uh, from the analysts that are tracking the company. But licensing revenues were basically nil, down from 11.41 million in that quarter. Because licensing revenues are far more profitable, despite the revenue growth in the ITS segment, it has lower margins, the ITS segment at present. Quarter Hill's growth profit was significantly lower year over year at 8.7 million versus 15.4 million. And the net loss was far wider at 9.7 million versus 2 million essentially in Q3 2021. So in conclusion, the balance sheet is solid, 75 million plus in cash. Uh, and in Q3, leverage was reduced significantly with a $20.8 million debt repayment. Total long-term debt was in the range of 30.2 million at the end of the quarter compared to 62.1 million at the end of September 30th, 2021. So from a valuation perspective, there it may look attractive. It's EV to EBITDA is in the range of 2.75 trailing. But one must take into account that historically, a great deal of profitability and contribution to EBITDA comes from the lumpy licensing business that Quarter Hill is looking to sell. Now, ITS, while more consistent, or I, yeah, ITS is more consistent, it is not nearly as profitable at present. 
Uh, and this multiple will likely come down when YLAN is sold, depending on the price tag on the EV side. Now, Quarter Hill is targeting 15% adjusted EBITDA margin for its ITS segment at some point in the future with no exact set timeline. If the business can get there, it will become more interesting, but it is not close to that at present, not producing significant cash flow from operations, and there continues to be instability at the helm of this firm. Near term, we monitor Quarter Hill on a sum of parts basis, as Wyland may fetch somewhat of a bounty, which could add to the cash balance for potential acquisitions. But the length of the strategic review is a bit concerning in that respect. For now, with the drama at the C-suite being far too great to stomach, we just monitor the company. Uh, of note, on Wednesday of this week, March 22nd, 2023, Quarter Hill will release its quarterly numbers for the period and 12 months ending December 31st, 2022. So stay tuned. More drama may ensue. Awesome. I'm done. Yeah. You another, guys got uh, anything on Quarter Hill? We, we have interviewed management in the past. Uh, we just interviewed them uh, in the past year, uh, sat down with the, the new team, the relatively new team. And now we've got uh, potentially a new team coming in. Perhaps we'll sit down with them again. But, you know, there is... It looks a bit directionless when you see uh, CEOs continuing to either. And in this case, it was a, an abrupt departure a couple days ahead of a quarterly call. Um, not the greatest look uh, in a, for a, an individual who was brought in to be essentially the leader in their progression towards a more stable ITS business from the licensing business hasn't been able to sell that business uh, off if that's indeed what they're looking at, which it does look like. So they haven't executed on that transaction. And, uh, you know, the, the market's just in waiting for them to come up with better margins on the ITS side of the business. So this, you know, a good Canadian success story when it was YLAN as a business generated solid cash flow that should have been able to be deployed. They've been looking at in various forms, taking that cash flow and using it to buy more stable businesses, uh, but have really pooped the bed in that respect so far, to be honest. Um, and, you know, we benefited, benefited from one of their purchases at one point, uh, a company that they purchased was a company that we had in coverage at the time. Um, IRD Systems was the company. We actually cheered on the price tag that they paid for it as we thought it was too high. So we got a significant premium we had bought the company two months before. Uh, again, they had bought the at a premium of around 40 to 50%. Significant uh, gain for us. We liked that, but we thought the price was a little steep to be paying in the near term. And to be honest, based on the cash flow of that business over the past uh, several years, it's it was a price that likely was too high. But anyways, we'll continue to monitor, continue to monitor quarter hill. But right now, uh, again, too much drama too much instability, uh, charting different directions over time. And uh, it's hard to it's hard to invest in a business that, uh, again, has that much instability in the C-suite. And may I add uh, international road dynamics there, IRD, another <clears throat> Saskatchewan success story. Oh, uh, <laughs> you set him up for that one. <laughs> yes, yes, uh, Ryan did. He's been sitting there. Uh, this uh, entire episode yeah, is a Saskatoon, yeah, Saskatchewan. Basically, Saskatchewan loving, right? Yeah, exactly. you're loving that's, it. That's this. It's a Saskatchewan loving episode. That's what I love to hear. 
the province so, sponsored by the province of Saskatoon. No, Saskatchewan. <laughs> the province of Saskatoon. Wow. wow, that's where Brandon's from. Because we don't know if it exists. Now. Yeah, province of Anyways, good job. Saskatchewan. Good job. But, uh, I'm just reading here. Uh, the <laughs> CEO is now the interim CEO as well. It's not a permanent replacement uh-huh. as well. I. So we yeah, will he is CEO five or six, if you want to. Count oh yeah, he's as well he's soon. interim. There's another exhaustive mm-hmm. search, and the th- and the thing that adds to the instability, he was the chairman of the board, as I understand, and mm-hmm. uh, he will now be leaving because he's not standing for re-election there, unless of course he becomes the new CEO, which then you know not interim, maybe he won't be uh, chairman of the board as well. But you know, again, it it's it's more instability. What you'd like to see is uh, if a new management team comes in. They're, they're not going to own the shares likely, you know, you see this of any type of business, like you'd love to, but it, you know, if they have proper incentive and they buy in with their own capital over time, but again, you just haven't seen this alignment, uh, in this, in this business for years, it's, uh, been a headhunted CEO come in, which can work if you get the right individual, but again, they're going down the same path again, likely the CEO comes in and tries to chart a new course. Or maybe they stay with the same course, but are they incentivized enough? Are they more incentivized to just grow the top line and not grow the bottom line? And for us, that has been the issue, a consistent bottom line cash flow per share, EPS per share, not just an adjusted EPS target of 15% sometime into the future. Like That just doesn't cut it with investors who are looking for actual cash flow and EPS. And that has been the issue here. Buy businesses that are contributing to your cash flow over the long term, if that is the strategy, or grow that ITS business organically um, and have some stability, obviously, in the business. And we just don't see that right now. Um, you know, they again, they may get a windfall if they sell the Wyland, the patent troll, the IP area of the business off at some point over the next year. I mean, we'd expect that to be coming soon. Uh, if and if we do see a windfall there, perhaps they can again get an astute capital allocator to come in and allocate that capital in very profitable businesses uh, and grow their grow the ITS business organically. But you know, at this stage, with the last time we in- interviewed management, which was about a year ago, they said, you know, you got the feeling it was relatively imminent. You know, nothing on that front. It's been crickets on that front. And if you're looking to sell that at some point, maybe you're not getting the exact price you have achieved, but it's a distraction for the business. You're, you're going to focus on the ITS segment long term. At some point, you have to take the mark, the price that the market is giving you and move forward. You don't take any price, but you've been waiting 15 plus months. So let, let, let's you know get a price, move forward, use that capital, redeploy it in the business as you see that, uh, you know, as you, as the plan has been now, again, a new CEO is coming in. So we'll see what the plan is going forward. We'll continue to monitor it. All right. So who, who are we moving to next? Was it, uh, was it Brett? I think Brett's got yeah, a, sure. we'll, uh, your we'll stock go take. Yeah. I think it's newbie, right? Yeah. M- moving forward, right? Forward looking. <laughs> is that what we're going with? We got an interview coming that we got to get to, right? So let's get through. Yeah, we will go forward. All right. Let's go right into- Brennan, just stop talking about Saskatchewan and then we'll get Mm, there. Get out of here. (laughs) You'll never stop him. All right, Mm -hmm. but uh, let's go on to Nuve Corp. So Nuve Corp is a provider of payment technology solutions to merchants and partners. The solutions provided are mobile payments, online payments, and in-store payments. 
The stock currently trades under the symbol NVEI at roughly 55.80 Canadian on the TSX, as well as $40.80 US on the NASDAQ, and it's roughly up 60% year to date, but it's still down 70% from the pandemic highs. So the company just released its Q4 and fiscal 2022 results on March 7th, reporting an increase in transaction volume of 34% to $127.7 billion. Revenue has increased 16% to $843.3 million, but was unfavorably impacted by foreign exchange as it reports its earnings in U.S. dollars, which strengthened significantly in 2022 compared to effectively every other currency. So on a constant currency basis, revenue increased by 22%, so a 6% or so drag occurred from foreign exchange. They are becoming less dependent on cryptocurrencies, with revenue from that segment only making up 8.7% of revenue for Q4, down down from roughly 21.8% in 2021, excluding the impact of FX and the cryptocurrency segment. Revenue grew by actually 26%. So all those adjustments in their core business, 26%. And that's actually what they see going forward, roughly. On the other hand, adjusted EBITDA increased 11% to $351 million due to high revenue and removing the core increased expense of share compensation, which I'll get on to down the line. And on the other hand, net income fell by 42%. And this is gap net income, I should note to 62 million share compensation was the core reason for the decrease on a diluted per share basis still gap it fell 45 percent to 39 cents per share from 71 cents per share additionally the company reports adjusted that income which increased 10 percent per share to a dollar 86 from a dollar 69 a significant difference from gap it's because it removes the impact of acquisition-related expense, foreign exchange, and a couple other minor things, but most importantly, share-based compensation. These types of adjustments generally reflect the operations better than GAAP, but they reflect the earnings attributed to shareholders worse. That's the trade-off, and that's why you really want to look at both numbers. We've commented on this a few times before, but Nubay is a perfect example where you shouldn't ignore the share compensation completely. They're actively buying back shares in excess of their share compensation. So effectively, they issue shares to employees in lieu of cash and instead use that cash to buy back shares on the open market, ultimately making the same impact on the financials at the end of the day as as normal salary would instead of the share compensation. Management does claim that share compensation will stay relatively flat at these levels, so it would drop as a percentage of revenue as revenue goes up. This is something we will track going forward, and if you are an investor, a prospective investor, it's something you should pay attention to as well. So, after the 2022 fiscal end, Nuve finished its acquisition of Paya for $1.3 billion in cash, which has significantly altered its forward earnings and its balance sheet. Paya, just as a Gauge of size, they processed roughly $50 billion in payments in 2022, roughly 39% of the amount Nuve did, just to give you an idea of the size of the integration. It's not map, not like it's a one-to-one, but it's still a significant amount. It's not a small transaction either. To fund the purchase, Nuve entered into a $800 million credit facility. After the acquisition, the company is now in a net debt position of approximately $1.06 billion, previously having a net cash position. So the company is in a more financially risky position than it was before. 
Nuve Management forecasts fiscal 2023 adjusted EBITDA of 455 to 477 million, using the midpoint of 466 million. The company has a net debt to adjusted EBITDA ratio of 2.3 times, which is quite high for this type of business. It's not absurdly high or anything, but it is something which you really do need to watch going forward. As well, the debt is floating, so if interest rates do continue to rise, the company will be impacted negatively or positively if they fall at this point. With all the bank stuff going on, we, we don't know, and I'm not gonna really going to even comment on what direction it is because it is just a complete gamble at this point in time. Additionally, though, New Way did renew its normal course issuer bid, which could, if used like they did in 2021, put more pressure on its balance sheet as they use up cash to buy back shares. Using the guidance midpoint EBITDA, we can uh, find that enterprise to adjusted EBITDA value of 14.5 times, which is quite a high value because this is also a forward value. So you would normally want to see forward a bit lower. And it, this is still quite high either way, even if it was trailing. The trailing adjusted EBITDA is more reasonable at 22 times, but this does not account for the change in leverage. And that's what we've seen over the past month now is a massive change in leverage. So I would really rely on EV EBITDA over PE in this case, because they've seen this complete shift in leverage from being effectively a lower enterprise value compared to like a market value. And now we're seeing the enterprise value exceed the market value of the equity that is. So concluding, Nuve's operations are improving. They're less risky as they distance themselves from the volatility of cryptocurrencies. And they have also maintained high, high growth and they're forecasting high growth as well. But it has significantly increases financial leverage and risk from that. Combined with the high valuations of the metrics that I would rely on, which in this case would be EV EBITDA over PE, it's just too expensive. They do have hopes in the long term if they're able to navigate through the risk of the short term, if they're able to pay off debt, if they're able to increase their uh, revenue and then ultimately their cash flows to pay off that debt and leverages acquisition of PEA, it could potentially have a bright future. So by no means am I completely writing off, but I would just hold off on it for now to see really how it works over the next year. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I, I would agree. The The calculus of the equation changes when you have that much leverage added to the balance sheet, again, at mm -hmm. a variable rate and added to the business. Um, yeah, it, you know, if, if they somehow did that out of cash, this would be, you know, a story to look significantly at. Um, We've seen so many companies uh, enter into either debt situations or issue shares. And, um, you know, it just, you get growth by acquisition, but, you know, is it profitable growth? And in this case, you know, they're, like you said, they're going to have to service that debt. So it, it, and that is a significantly high level of debt for a business of this type. Out of floating, right? You know, if they continue to grow cash flow um, and there is, you know, they could service that debt, it's fine. But, um, you know, it, it is a high level right now at a time when, you know, you could be looking to in the, in the payment sector, consumer slowdown. You could be looking into rates that are, you know, higher now. They already are for them, but could they go higher? You know, there's a possibility there. So, uh, you know, it, it's something that we continue to watch, but, um, you know, where does the growth go from here too? you know, if the, what is the organic growth is what we'd have to look at in those businesses. And if there's significant organic growth, maybe it can make sense. But if it's, you know, five, two or negative organic growth, you know, that doesn't make sense because then suddenly it's getting a growth multiple at some point. Uh, does it deserve a growth multiple if that acquisition or if the acquisitions are the only thing that are really leading to growth over time?
they they are organically growing for the next year at least that's what their forecast is Uh so they do have that they're not inorganic growth driven at this point it's just that that debt is just really uh weighing me down i think uh previous to the acquisition we were a bit more hopeful especially when they're now doing an ncib renewal which last year they did i think it was like around 200 million in share buybacks i'll put the exact number up on the screen so if they're going to do that again instead of paying off debt that just seems strange to me at this point yeah i mean i at this point i'd prefer them to pay down debt right Mm -hmm. exactly for sure and the renewal is just today by the way i should add that in it's it's Mm -hmm. not like it was months ago okay well let's get to our stars and dog our star and dog of the week brennan's got our star caledonia and then again the coattails quarter hill our dog who do you think i should start with should I start with Corey? Uh, you want to end wanna. on a positive note? Yeah, or what? Why don't end. you just say my dog of the week is Quarter Hill. Right. Thank you. Yes. That's it. Uh, well, exactly. My dog of the week is Quarter Hill. Uh, I mean, it was down 16% today and over 29% in the last year, where it's currently trading at about $1.54. And again, like Ryan keeps saying, you know, on his coattails, the reason, you know, <laughs> we're seeing the stock go down is the CEO, Brett Kidd, stepping down. The fact that the company has had four CEOs in three years and it, the company is continuing its street strategic review on YLAN, which has been going on for about 15 months now and was one of the reasons we initially, um, you know, interviewed the company about a year ago. And lastly, you know, the results have been below uh, expectations from analysts and the company has posted some weak profitability as well. So that was uh, short and sweet. And now let's move on to um, it was very sweet. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. (laughs) So yes, let's move on to uh, the star of the week, which is Caledonia Mining Corp CMCL on the New York Stock Exchange. So the stock gained approximately 19% in the last week and is up about 75% in the past six months, where it now trades at about $16.60 at the end of today with a market cap of about $280 and a dividend yield just under 4%. So Caledonia Mining is a gold producer with its primary asset, the Blanket Mine in Zimbabwe, which has an 11-year life of mine. Uh, We originally recommended Caledonia in December of 2021 at $11.12 because of its cash-rich balance sheet. It has paid a nice 5% uh, dividend yield and has a runway of growth following the sinking of its new central shaft at the Blanket Mine, which boosted gold production from 67,000 ounces in 2021 to about 80,700 ounces of gold in 2022. So we saw that growth coming there. Plus, Caledonia remains on the path to become a multi-asset gold producer in Zimbabwe, completing the transaction of the Bilbo's Gold Project in January of 2023, which has a a vendor feasibility study indicating the potential for an open pit gold mine producing an average of 168,000 ounces of gold per year over a 10-year life of mine. And Caledonia is now in the process of putting together its own feasibility study before it commences the full mine, but has started the preliminary oxide project, which entails the stripping of overburden. Now, the company also has the Motapa Gold Project, which is adjacent to the Bilbo's project in November of 2022. And they also recently completed an updated mineral resource estimate at one of their other projects, the Malagreen Project. So driving the share price gain 
is number one, the business's strong financial performance, uh, releasing consolidated fiscal 2023 guidance, which represents growth of 14% in gold ounces over fiscal 2022. Number two, uh, the fact that the business is on the path to become a multi-asset gold producer, even though this does, uh, does increase operational risk in the near to mid term. And of course, you know, you cannot leave it out. Number three, the price of gold has been on a rally in recent months, driven by fears of the overall economy and banking contagion, uh, with gold up around 8% in the last month and up about 19% over the past six months. And just looking at this chart here that I'm showing, uh, just look at how correlated Caledonia's stock is in relation to the price of gold. Uh, orange here is uh, the price of gold in US dollars, and the blue is Caledonia's stock uh, chart here. So Caledonia is not a Boyd or an Expel, which can grow sustainably over the long term. And we tread lightly in these types of stories, such as Caledonia, as if Caledonia's management team does everything right and the price of gold moves lower, the stock will likely perform poorly. So we do expect the stock to remain volatile. Now, we did recently update Caledonia for clients, giving them our thoughts on the business going forward. We provided a fair value sensitivity table in relation to the price of gold and indicated that generally speaking, while you're up in a cyclical business, it may not be a bad idea to take some profit. That's it. That's all. Yeah, I think it's a good summary. Um, you know, you can see how it, you know, strikingly tracks the <laughs> price of gold over time. Yeah. Uh, most of the juniors, you know, producers do, intermediate producers, large producers all tend to, um, you know, track it over time. There's leverage to it, you know, in some of the businesses yeah. like the smaller companies as well. But um, yeah, like like Brennan said, the point that we always make is. Um, a company like that, Caledonia, executed very well last year. If the price of gold, and there was one point in the price of gold was down significantly, uh, uh, you know, over a three, four month period over the price of last year, over last year, Caledonia shares go lower, even if management is executing significantly well. Um, it takes the management team to execute very well and the price of gold to move with them essentially for you to see those gains. So you've got two levels that you have to attain for that company to do well over time. Now this company checked off both those boxes. Well, they checked off the box of their execution well, and then gold moved for them. And then you've seen a significant rally in the share price, uh, which is great to see for our clients, but you need those two things. And uh, that is why we do tread lightly in those areas because you know, you can do all the research in the world and the price of the underlying commodity, whether it's a steel based business, a copper business, an oil and gas business, whichever it is, um, you can do poorly, even if the company executes well. So, you know, in another business uh, like Brennan brought up Boyd, if management executes well and they grow earnings and the share price over time, uh, you know, you usually you typically do very well in the stock. Um, you know, with a gold company too, you have market risk as well, like to overlay over top of that gold can be doing well, but if the overall market is just in the toilet, then you have that risk that you have with every other stock, right? You're probably not going to, even if the gold price stays steady, you're probably not going to have the tremendous gains that you would if the market was doing well or just staying flat. So you have those risks as well that you look at in these companies. And that's why it is hard 
to be a long-term 5, 10, 20-year investor in a name uh, like this. Yes. Uh, you can see an opportunity. You can capitalize on that. But it's a smaller percentage of your portfolio when we're looking at this relative to a Boyd, to a Brookfield infrastructure, to some of the solid longer-term names, even the growth-oriented names that we're looking at that we can forecast two, three, four, five years out and see a sustainable growth path ahead of them. So it's just important to point that out and bring it into and contextualize it when you're looking at an investment in a stock like this. Uh, you are looking likely at a shorter term horizon, which is far more risky than looking at a long-term play. Yeah. And I just wanted to, you know, to, to our horn really quick here is, you know, the price sensitivity chart that we did have. Oh, don't do that, Brennan. Um, <laughs> no, I, I would like to. because. Uh, <laughs> Um, the, the price sensitivity chart that we did or the price target sensitivity analysis that we did in relation to the price of gold, um, by projecting a $2,000 price of gold, which we are just underneath right now, um, I guess we're like basically like 10 cents or about 20 cents off of our price target, which we estimated. So, you know, which it's traded at in today. Yes. Which it is, 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 is within the intraday trading. Has, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Which it has traded at today. So, you know, um, again, it's, you, you got to keep in mind that commodity price and how it can affect the business. Cause you know, mm -hmm. the opposite is true is if we see, you know, $1,700, you know, gold, um, you know, we also got a price. Yeah. If by, price, by the end of the year, you see 1700 gold, if CMCL executes tremendously well again this year, the share price, you know, I would bet is likely lower yep. by the end of the year. So exactly. that is your risk right there. It, you know, quantified, you can look at it easily. The management can execute, company can keep paying their dividend. They can up their dividend. They can bring along their next project at a faster rate, uh, less capital outlay. And the price of gold moves down 10, 20% over the course of this year. That The share price will be lower. Yep. That is likely not the case in a business that doesn't have that exposure to this cyclical uh, underlying commodity. Yes. So hopefully that illustrates what we're talking about when we look at it. There's an opportunity here. We take advantage of it. It's not bad in some situations when you're looking at a commodity-based business to take a profit mm -hmm. when you've made a significant gain. Okay, I think that is our show for the week. We have to move to an interview. We're excited. We're uh, looking at a company that we recently added to coverage that's uh, having had a strong start to this year, and we're going to in interview them again on the recent quarter, update our clients over the course of this week on that business. So that's going to end our show for this week. I'd like to say to everybody out there, keep smashing that subscribe button, smash that on YouTube. Um, and uh, if you're listening to this on uh, iTunes, Rate and review us on there. We love and we keep bringing out our content. Rate and review us. Uh, give us your review on there as well. And uh, as always, I'd like to wish you profitable investing. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.